What's up, Crave? Hello, welcome back. My name's Rob Z. Bolin. In case this is your first time here, you don't know who I am. Um, the student uh, ministry intern here at Brookwood. Um, and if you haven't been here, or haven't been here in a while, we've been going through the message, which is uh, the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7 is what we're in, and we're getting near the end of it. Um, but these last three weeks, next week, this week, and the week previously, this is all kind of, it could almost be like a little mini-series inside of the bigger series of the message arc. Um, so all three of these kind of go hand in hand. Um, so I'm going to kind of explain one, because it's been so long ago since Kevin spoke, right? We don't even remember what he said. Um, so we'll recap a little bit of that, so this way we can kind of flow into our message here. Um, so last week, or two weeks ago, Kevin was talking about there being two roads. You guys remember which roads those are? So jogging your memory. The highway to hell, the large road, right? Yeah, that leads to destruction. And then there was the opposite one that was the narrow road that led to life, right? So you had the, the road that led to life, and you had the road that was easier to walk that led to destruction. The harder road uh, led to life. Um, and so Jesus is, is telling us here that there's these two options for us to pick. There's these two different roads. But then Jesus is giving us a caution, right? He's going to tell us, beware, right? It's this way we can make sure that we're on the right path. So here's what he says. He says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves, right? So we are the sheep, right? Jesus is our shepherd. So there are people disguised as other sheep that are trying to lead us and make us think that we're on the narrow, hard working path, but really they're leading us more towards the road of destruction. So that's why Jesus is telling us here to beware of them. Um, and so when we, when we say beware of false prophets, and if we are to explain that and apply it to our lives, it's not like we really have prophets walking around the street anymore, right? No, but we do have a lot of pastors. We have a lot of people that you can look on, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, wherever you go on YouTube, there are, there are a lot of people for you guys to just get information from. So this even applies to this. Beware of false prophets. Beware of people teaching stuff different than the gospel. Um, so one of the things that's really big right now is the prosperity gospel. You guys know what the prosperity gospel is? Anybody know? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so not a lot of people raise their hands, so I'll explain it. Um, so the prosperity gospel is mostly people saying, hey, give us something, whether it be your time. Mostly they're asking for your money. Um, and then God will bless you with something. And in the prosperity gospel, they're not looking to really tell you about Jesus or explain the gospel to you. They're going to pick pieces of Jesus that they like, right? The white, white Jesus, long brown hair, blue eyes, very comforting, warming Jesus is what they're going to depict to you. And they're going to tell you, hey, just give us everything. God will bless you, right? It usually comes from more of a selfish heart than it is anything else. But it's all about positivity. And that's what draws people in, is that it makes you feel good when you walk away from it. And so, just want to warn you guys that not everything that makes you feel good or feel happy or you're like, man, that really, like, that really made me feel good. He's such a good speaker. It might just be that he's a good speaker and it might not be the Holy Spirit. Right, because Jesus says that the road is hard to walk, right? It's not easy to walk. So, when we're talking about this, when we're looking at this, we need to be able to use that kind of discernment to figure that out. And I know positive, positivity, the gospel talks about hope, peace, love. These things are very comforting, very warming to us. Um, but coming in now, we have this like new age movement. It talks a lot about positivity, good vibes, right? 
You see them on rocks and necklaces. You wear these rocks, you wear these necklaces, good things are going to happen to you, right? Positive vibes are going to be sent your way. Uh, But this is also making its way into Christianity. People are starting to think, hey, if you do your yoga in the morning and you meditate, you know, like God will bless you with these things. Or if you carry these rocks, you can use this to talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will go through this rock into you. Holy Spirit doesn't need a catalyst. Holy Spirit doesn't need a rock, right? Holy Spirit's already here with you. You don't need extra things. And also, we're talking about doing meditation. You're like, doing meditation and doing yoga. Yoga's great. We need to stretch, right? Your hammies get tight. Don't feel good, right? And someone hits you real hard, and it's real bad. But at the same time, I would ask, what are you meditating on? Did you meditate on yourself and then you felt good afterwards and then you felt like God worked through that? I would ask you, what scripture did you meditate on? How is the Holy Spirit talking to you through that? Another kind of false prophets that come around these days are just straight up heresy. People that pull out text from the Bible and then just blatantly go the wrong way. Those are a little bit easier to pick out, right? Hey, you can't be a Christian. You're wearing cotton and polyester. And you're just like, we need to go back to Deuteronomy and actually read what they're talking about here because you've taken this way out of context, right? And we did a whole series about that out of context, so we won't stay too long there. But I just want you guys to know that just because it's set on a stage and it's in a church, that doesn't make it biblical. Just because it's set on a stage and it's set in a church doesn't make it biblical. The only thing that makes anything ever biblical is it comes from the Bible, right? So I don't care if your mama said it. I don't care if your daddy said it. I don't care if I said it. I don't care if Kevin Nunnery said it. I don't care if Perry Noble, I had to say that one a little bit quieter, said it, right? Or J.C. Thompson. I especially don't care if J.C. Thompson said it, right? Um, Just because they said it, it doesn't make it biblical. It can still be true, but it doesn't make it biblical. And so what we need to do is we need to fact-check everything. If someone says something, every scripture that I put on the screen, every quote that I put on the screen, write it down or just fact-check it right there. Like, did he actually come to say this? Did Jesus actually say this? Is he taking this out of context to try and make his point across to me? Always check everything. And with that, we need to have our own faith. You can't take, you can't just be a sponge just soaking everything in. We can't just, that'd be the only thing that we have. We need to actually read the Bible for ourselves. Because otherwise, if someone says something heresy, or if someone takes a little bit of truth, twist it just a little bit into the prosperity gospel, then you're never going to know. You're never going to know that they're actually lying to you. You're never going to know that that's taken out of context unless we read things for ourselves and we have our own authentic faith. So for that reason, that means we need to read the Bible. We actually need to read the Bible. I know it sucks. I hate reading as well. I can hardly read Lord of the Rings. It's my favorite franchise ever. I start going through those books, and I'm just like, I'm getting real bored. I've watched the movies a hundred times. I know exactly what's happening, right? But the Bible, you can get the Bible app, and it reads it to you, right? So then you don't have to read it. I especially enjoy, I enjoy that. I enjoy things reading to me. I enjoy podcasts, people talking to me. Right? It makes you feel like you're inside of a conversation. So you guys can do that. So now you guys can't uh, claim ignorance that you guys didn't know. Now you guys know that the Bible app reads it to you, and so that you guys can read the Bible for yourselves. Um, and if you're thinking, Robsy, this is super intimidating. That Bible is thick. I've never read a book that big. Um, I would just say, hey, just start in what Jesus said. All the words that are in red, and if your Bible does that, um, I would start there. 
A lot of it is going to be the Sermon on the Mount, what we've said, but I think it's good to look, look and actually see what Jesus had to say about a lot of things because it's actually written down. So we can actually look and see exactly what Jesus said, read that, and start from there. Um, there's also the Bible recap. It does a whole, it gives you a plan already, and you can start in January. It's coming up, and then it'll walk through the whole Bible in a year, and it has a whole plan for you, and it even has a podcast that explains stuff to you even if you haven't read it yet or if you didn't understand it. So it's very good. My wife's on year two of doing that, so you know it's good if she's done it. Um, but, so if we haven't read this Bible, if we don't know what's going on, people are going to easily be able to trick us. Because the Bible says that even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. It's in Second Corinthians. Meaning that the, he can even say, like, look at, look at this good thing. Look at how positive this message is. Look at how great this is for you. This is what you've always wanted. The enemy can always trick us into doing things. And I'm not going to say that there's a demon under every bush, but there might be a demon under a couple. So not everything's the enemy. But we need to be able to use discernment. We need to be able to say, this looks great, but this is what God wants us to do. And we can only do that if we're inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives. And to use discernment, Jesus is going to tell us a little bit about how to do that. Here's what he says. He says, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, the way that they act. You can pick grapes from bushes or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce good fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. I like that Jesus here finally used an analogy, and then he told us what the analogy was directly afterwards. Usually he waits a little while, right? But he tells us here, the fruit is somebody's actions that they're doing. And so... This is lost a little bit because we don't really have buckthorns and grapes growing in our backyards that we go through every day. Um, but these two, these two fruits look similar. So we'll put those on the screen. I'm going to see if you guys can guess which one, which, one is the buck, which one is a buckthorn berry and which one is a black grape. So you put a one or two up, we'll say one is the right one, the right picture, and two is the left picture. So which one do you guys think? One or two, one or two. Uh, ones, ones. Once, we're looking for the grape. You're looking for the grape. You said two, we got a two. One or two? Like half and half? All right, so if you pick two, you are correct. Two is the grape. And you can tell by its leaves. Obviously, those are grape leaves. Come on, guys. Um, no, but they look, they look pretty similar. Um, if you put me out in the wild and said, one of these will kill you and one of those will keep you alive, I probably wouldn't just touch it, right? Because I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, but they look, they look pretty similar. But if you were to grab both of these and taste them, the buckthorn berry, it's going to be sour, bitter, and you're probably just going to spit it out. The grape, you're probably going to bite into it, and you're going to be like, oh, whoa, there's a nut in here, and it's going to hurt your tooth. But it's going to taste good, right? But the point here is that there might be a superficial resemblance to a true prophet and a false prophet. But often we can't tell the difference of the fruit because we're not using discernment. And often we're looking for the wrong fruit. Most of the time, we're looking for the thing that tastes gross, but it looks good on the outside because that's what we like, or it feels good at the moment to have that. And even when we're picking our friends, 
or our boyfriends or our girlfriends, when we're picking our mentor, the people we hang out with, whoever we follow. We don't really care what their fruit is. We just care that they look nice. And so what Jesus is telling us here is that we need to use discernment. We need to be able to determine these people by their actions. We need to be looking at what their actions are, what their life looks like, and where their heart is. Because our soul can't be nourished by superficial fruits. Our soul needs the fruit of the Spirit. You guys, know what the, you guys remember the fruit of the Spirit? You can just yell them out, see if you guys can get them all. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, goodness. There you go, there's nine, that's all of them. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I also want to point out that it is not the fruits. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It is fruit of the Spirit. So that means you can't say, well, you know, I got the, I got the joy, I got the, the love, and the happiness, but you guys can have self-control, patience. You guys can have the hard ones, right? Self-control, that's not me. Gentleness, no, I'm real aggressive. No, this is fruit of the Spirit. This is to have all of these, that you are encompassing all of these traits. But sometimes, it's a little bit more enticing to hang out with somebody that has the works of the flesh, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, dark, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Sometimes those people are more fun to hang out with. Sometimes those people are more fun to follow. But Jesus is telling us that that bad tree is never going to produce good fruit. Only a good tree can produce good fruit. So what Jesus is telling us here is that our faith is the tree. Having faith is the tree. And that these fruits are grown out of our faith. So you can look at that and you can say, well, I just need to make sure that I have the right fruit, that I can look at, you can look at me as a tree and you can say, look at all these good works that I've done. Look at all these fruits that I have. You know, I went to church every Sunday. I went to small group. Robsy told me, good job one time. Kevin shook my hand. You can look at all these things and say, look at all these good works I've done, but Jesus is telling us again that a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Just as an apple tree can never produce dragon fruit, just as a pine tree can never produce oranges. A tree doesn't have to go out of its way to produce the fruit. You never see an apple tree really struggle to produce apples. And it's like, but I'm really trying to make oranges, right? I got somebody. Um, and so basically what Jesus is telling us here is that you're your saving grace, the saving grace isn't just pure knowledge of him. It's about a faith that produces these good works. It includes trust, obedience. And so what Jesus is saying is that merely believing Jesus was real doesn't save you. And here's what James has to say. We're going to use the message version because I like it because he's really sarcastic in this. And I love sarcasm. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complainingly sitting back as if you've done nothing? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good is it to them? Use your heads. Do you suppose that for a minute you can cut faith and works and not end up with a corpse on your hands? 
let that sink in for a second because that's real. So what we need to do is we need to take a look at our own lives. We need to say, am I a good tree producing good fruit? And if I'm a good tree, why am I not producing good fruit? Or do I just come to crave and believe in God because my parents do? Or because Kevin said it was a good idea? Or are you more of a Christian Christmas tree? I'll explain this a little bit to you guys. Here's a picture of a Christmas tree. Sorry if it's your tree. I'm about to like tear it down. But there we have a, Christmas, a Christian Christmas tree. It looks super beautiful. On it, we've got crosses. We've got nice things. It looks super beautiful, right? We've basically put a mask on it to say, this looks good and Christian. And you can tell because it's white, and white is the color of purity. We've also put lights on it so that we can draw your attention to itself, right? We've put nice little icicles on it. We've even put some ornaments on it to give you an op- give it an illusion that it has fruit, but really it's fake fruit, right? But honestly, if we're all honest with ourselves, this live Christmas tree is really just a corpse of a Christmas tree, right? It's just a corpse of a tree. It's not really alive, and we're only keeping it alive by watering it, maybe on Sundays is watering day, and we just make sure it's nice and happy that day, and then the rest of the week, we just kind of ignore it until it starts to kind of die, and then we're like, oh, wait, oh, oh, we need to water our tree again, right? And so we can use this illusion as, is this us? Is it just, we put on a mask of Christianity? We do it because it's Southern culture to be nice and hospitable to people? Or do we actually care about Jesus? Do we actually know who he is? Because here's the scary thing. This is what Jesus is going to say to a lot of people. This is what he says in the last verses of 21 through 23. He says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. But he'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. It's probably the scariest verse in the Bible for him to say, many of you are going to come to me and I'm going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. And it breaks my heart that he says many. And then we don't, we don't go over this verse and we don't talk about this verse to try and scare you into heaven. And we're not talking about this to try and make you question your salvation. And that's between you and the Holy Spirit. And the reason I want to bring this up and the reason we want to talk about this is we just need to ask ourselves, this question. Do you know Jesus or do you know about Jesus? Because here's what's happened. Social media has created this faux intimacy, which is a fancy way of saying an intimacy that's not genuine, that we've kind of picked apart certain characteristics of Jesus and that we like those things about him. But we don't really like that God is a wrathful God or just God, right? We just love the caring God and the loving God. And so on social media, I can feel like me and Chris Pratt are best friends, right? I love Chris Pratt. I've watched all of Parks and Rec, right? We could play guitar together. I'd play the cajon, right? And we could have a nice little jam session. And, you know, it's over quarantine, he's posted so many videos of him in his house with his children. You know, I can know what his favorite color is. I can know what his favorite food is. 
I could know what the, the walls look like inside of his house. I know a lot about Chris Pratt. But Chris Pratt doesn't know who I am. And you probably never know who I am, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But the problem becomes is when we start to treat Jesus like this. When we start to say, Jesus, I know you were born in Bethlehem. I know you had a mom and dad, Mary and Joseph. I know you had a brother named James. I knew you're a carpenter, right? You worked with wood. I know you got chiseled abs. I know that you're actually Jewish, so that means you probably have a darker complexion, right? You probably didn't have blue eyes. I know you were in ministry for like three and a half years. I know you lived until you were 33 years old. I know a lot about you, Jesus. But Jesus is saying, not everyone who knows me do I know them, right? Depart from me, for I never knew you. And so we can know all these facts, but do we know him? Because you can know all these facts. That doesn't mean that he's your Lord. That doesn't mean that he's your Savior. That doesn't mean that you've trusted yourself to Jesus. You can almost read this as, not everybody who comes to me and says, Jesus, I went to church on Sunday. Jesus, I was in a small group. Jesus, I went to OCC and boxed up a bunch of boxes for some kids. In your name. God, I prayed for that homeless guy. God, I gave that homeless guy $5. In your name. God, I prayed over somebody who accepted Christ. In your name. But Jesus says, not everybody who did all these things will come to me and I say that I never knew you. So Matt Chandler kind of says a good way to say in this is that you can't do life for Jesus without doing life with Jesus. You can't do life for Jesus without doing life with Jesus. So what Matt Chandler's trying to say is, he's saying, you can live your whole life in Southern culture and have these Christian influences, but that doesn't mean that you're living for Jesus. And when we do that, we rob ourselves of Christ's grace for us. We rob ourselves of the power of the Holy Spirit when we say, when we don't actually live life for Jesus. And so as we go into the song, we just need to sit down or stand up, and we just need to think to ourselves, where am I at with Christ? How has my life changed since I've accepted Christianity? What, what changes does it make? Does it change who I hang out with? When have I ever thought, no, I'm not going to do this thing because I love Jesus. Jesus wouldn't want me to do these things. Because I'll, t- I'll be honest with you guys, a lot of you guys have your favorite Bible verses on your Instagram pages. A lot of you guys post about Jesus. But the rest of your Instagram page looks like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm not talking about the one that I can see. I'm talking about your burner account that I can't see. Jesus isn't saying that you need to walk the path of righteousness first. Jesus isn't saying you need to walk the narrow path before you can come to me. No, Jesus wants you to come now as you are. You don't have to put on a mask to come to Jesus. Jesus wants you to take off your mask. Jesus wants you to be who you are. He died for everybody, not for the fake version of you, but for the real version of you. And Jesus wants you to come to get to know him as he is, not some fake version of him not the wrathful version of him, not the loving version of him, but all of him as he is now. So I'm going to go ahead and ask the leaders to go to the back. And as we're going into the time of worship, if you guys need someone to talk to, you can find your small group leader. You can come find me. You can come find Kevin. I would say you come find Jacob, but he's going to be singing.
And as we go in this time, just, just pray. God, where am I? Am I a good tree? Bad tree? Am I producing good works? Is it through my faith that I'm producing these works? Dear Papa God, we thank you for this time. We were just able to come back and just reflect on you. Thank you for sending your son down to die for us. And we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to us. God, we just pray over this time that we'd have the confidence just to go talk to somebody if we need to talk. And God, we just ask that we open up our hearts to you. Invite the Holy Spirit in.